1: Sure, she'll stop farming when pigs fly. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
0: Well, happy to be back in the saddle on a Tuesday morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. Many thanks to Stephanie Hoff, Charity Sebecker, and Carrie Mess for handling things. while I took a little personal time away since I left... Boy, has the weather changed as I come back. You're experiencing it yourself. It does look like it's going to improve later this week. That is the good news. Today, partly sunny skies. 45 are expected high. Tomorrow, partly sunny and 46. Thursday, we jump up with sunshine and 52 degrees. By Friday, we're at 65. Saturday, getting even closer to 70 degrees. Does Stumacher, ag meteorologist, believe that? We'll find out what his forecast is coming up. John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing, our regular Tuesday guest, will join us for a breakdown on what's influencing our markets this morning and we're also taking a look at a new survey that was released at World Dairy Expo on how technology not only helping the dairy industry improve production but helping it protect the environment. Stick around, lots to cover on this Tuesday.
2: It's inevitable. If you're involved with farming, there's always a risk for injury or worse. That's why the Midwest Farm Report and Rural Mutual Insurance are teaming up to bring a video safety series through the month of October called Rooted in Farm Safety. Each week a new video will be released focusing on how you can be safer on the farm. Be sure to visit MidwestFarmReport.com or Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook for the full videos.
3: Wisconsinites like well, let's say love their beer. Bob Bosol here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And we have lots of good beers that are brewed in Wisconsin, and some are only available in Wisconsin. Charity, you found one that uh, is that way and they're doing pretty well.
4: That's right, Bob. And while some may not think of beer as an agricultural product, it truly is. Brewers depend heavily on farmers for a consistent supply of grains and hops to ensure the production of quality beer. I'm Charity Seebecker from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Dan Carey, brewmaster with New Glarus Brewing Company, shares more on how things are going in the brewing industry. He says they are 100% an agritourism destination here in Wisconsin. But first, he talks about his relationship with farmers and getting crops for production to be able to have the best beer in Wisconsin.
5: Hops, we buy in two ways. We have some contracts directly with farmers We buy mostly in in Yakima, Washington, and in the Willamette Valley of Oregon. We buy hop in Wisconsin from the Wisconsin Hop Growers Exchange Co-op. We also buy hops from Germany and Czech Republic, mainly through hop brokers, and in rare cases, directly from farmers. As far as barley and wheat, we use malted barley and malted wheat. So there's a process that has to happen between the farm and the brewery, and that's called malting. So we buy directly from maltsters and our maltsters, most of it comes from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, and Shakopee, Minnesota. And so we contract with maltsters. We contract on a yearly basis, amount that we need of wheat and barley and uh, specifications, and uh, they go out and contract with farmers. Most of our Wheat and barley come from the Rocky Mountain area, mostly Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming. We try mainly to stay in the United States. We, in very, very rare cases, we might go to Canada, but... We, we try to, I would say, 99% comes from the U.S.
4: You mentioned that some of your hops come from overseas. So has there been any effect in how much you're getting from them or how that is happening, your partnership with them, whether that's inflation or other issues and current topics that are happening over there? Um, have you had yeah, to rely more yeah. on your partners here, or how is that going?
6: The
5: U.S. suppliers, um, w- Wisconsin weather has been great. So our Wisconsin farms. They're small, and they're mainly startup farms. that They've been only growing hops for maybe five for most 10 years, and they're small farms, and they're learning as they go, but we've been blessed with relatively good weather. Uh, Oregon and Washington have had problems with heat and fires, drought, but the hops are very robust. They have good modern breeding, so We haven't really had much problems, but we've had big problems out of Europe. Most of the uh, varieties grown in Europe, particularly in Germany and Czech Republic, are descendants of land race varieties that have been around for hundreds of years. And they're used to uh, cool, relatively damp weather. And of late, I would say maybe one out of every two or one out of every three years in Europe has been really dry and really hot. And since most of those farms don't have irrigation, the crop's really suffering. Yield is down this year, 20, 30 percent. And the quality, the bitterness that we're looking for in hops is also down. So they're having big problems and they're scrambling with breeding to try to use some American genoplasm to try to breed some more robustness into the hops, but that changes those varieties. So I'm a little bit worried about Europe. The good news is, is the dollar is at least for importing, the dollar has been very strong against the euro. So generally prices have been okay, but I suspect that's going to change.
4: Are the events happening in Ukraine impacting you at all in how you're planning for next year even?
5: Yes, very much so. So Ukraine and Russia, They don't really grow much malting barley. They grow a lot of wheat and a lot of barley. But if Ukraine, which grows a lot of barley, Russia, which grows a lot of barley and wheat, if they're short, then that means that that short has to be filled by other suppliers, and that kind of has a trickle-down effect to malting barley that – Uh, maybe farmers might decide to grow wheat instead of barley, and we use a heck of a lot more barley than we use wheat. So barley is pretty much only grown in the United States under contract. And farmers, when they make their planning decisions, uh, maybe they'll they'll choose wheat.
4: How has inflation and supply chain impacted your business, whether that's getting bottles, caps, or other items needed?
5: Yeah, it's been brutal. I would say that um, I know farmers are facing the same types of things with all of their inputs, fertilizer, et cetera, going up significantly in price. Our biggest price increase has been with cans. There's basically only has been three suppliers of cans in the United States, and a lot of Different beverages, seltzers and energy drinks, et cetera, are moving towards cans. So there's been a shortage of cans, and the price went up last year about a 60%. Minimum orders have gone to very large amounts. So cans are our biggest price increase, but everything's gone up. Uh, you know, Of course, we have to be competitive with labor costs. They've gone up. Our malt costs have gone up 20%. So I would say, on average, our cost of doing business compared to pre-COVID is probably up 20
4: 25%. How has your labor force been? It takes a lot to be able to make that beer, and you need all hands on deck. So how is your labor part as well?
5: You know, my wife and business partner, Deb, always says that uh, I'm an engineer, so I think in terms of technical things. And she says, look, it's not machinery that makes beer. It's people that make beer. And brewing beer is highly technical. You need highly trained people. And most of them are trained in-house. So nowadays, it's obviously a seller's market as far as the labor that people can go anywhere. And uh, particularly maintenance technicians or IT people they can go anywhere and, and kind of write their own meal ticket. So we need to be competitive, uh, not only in our wages, But our benefits, uh, health insurance, of course, it's probably one of our number one costs. Also, we need to make certain that our people feel engaged. You know, in the old days, I'm 62. When I started work, you kind of just kept your mouth shut and, and you just, you know, pushed. And nowadays, people need more than that. They need to feel engaged. They need to be challenged. They need to feel like they're making a difference. So that takes a lot of effort to keep people engaged. But we've done really good. We're, we're fully staffed. We're very blessed in Greene County with people with a very, very strong work ethic and loyalty as long as we're good to them.
4: Do you consider yourself an agritourism destination?
5: I would say, firstly, we're a manufacturer. So we put most of our effort in into manufacturing. But people love breweries. People love to go to breweries. They love to to drink beer. So part of our business, and we don't really do a lot of marketing per se, so having people come to our gift shop, have a beer, buy a t-shirt, walk around the brewery is really a great way for us to interface with our customers. So 100%, yes, we are uh, agritourism. Um, Beer has been marketed as sort of an industrial commodity, but it's really the end product of, of agriculture. So very much so. I mean, the wine business has done a great job of presenting themselves as an agricultural product, and beer has not done such a good job at that, but we certainly are an agricultural product.
4: What efforts do you make to be environmentally friendly?
5: That's an ongoing process. I think true responsibility, it's good business, first of all, because if you're efficient with your raw materials, whether they're your barley and hops or water or natural gas or labor, you're going to be more competitive. You're going to be more profitable as a company. So I think that us being good stewards allows us to do that. And then secondly, it's a moral responsibility that, you know, obviously we need to take care of our diminishing resources for the future. We see ourselves as a company that's going to hopefully be around for hundreds of years. So we have to do a good job. For example, brewing fermentation produces CO2 gas and storage. Historically, we vented that to atmosphere, and now we're putting in a machine to collect that CO2, compress it into a gas, and reuse it in the brewing process instead of buying CO2, and that, I think, is kind of a big deal. I'm very proud of that. We also do a lot of energy recovery. We have to boil the beer in the process, and that energy is recovered and reused. So... We put a lot of effort in trying to get as much out of the process as we can.
4: How many batches of beer do you make in a typical month or year? We make probably
5: 10 a day, 50 a week. Um, Of course, we sell less in the winter than we do in the summer, so 50 a week, say um, 2,000.
4: So how do you choose what style or types to brew? Is it dependent on the crops that you can get or like availability of it, or is it just your preference?
5: No, it's the exact opposite. We decide on a beer, on a recipe, and then we go out and try to find the raw materials for it. But the main driver is obvious that it depends on what people will buy. If people don't buy your beer, you're just a glorified home brewer. So we have to make beer that people will drink, and that sounds obvious, but it's not so easy. Flavor is complex, beer is complex, and the difference between a beer that has drinkability versus a beer that doesn't sometimes not obvious and what i mean by drinkable is when you have a good beer and you sit down after a day you worked hard all day, you come home and you have a beer and you look down and your glass goes empty quicker than you would expect. That's a good drinkable beer and we strive for that continuously and um, trying to find the beer style that will resonate with people is not so easy. It's not so obvious. So, you know, we've made hundreds of different beer styles.
4: What are things that you have to think about that other businesses may not?
5: As a manufacturer, like all manufacturing businesses, we have to think about our machinery and maintenance of our machinery, what type of machinery to buy, and how to be as efficient as possible with the machinery we have. Finding maintenance technicians is difficult, so sometimes when people buy machines, they look for the cheapest price. You're better off to look at the total cost of ownership of when you buy machinery. As a manufacturer, we're different than, say, someone who's a wholesaler or someone who's a retailer because, like a farmer, we have to create something out of nothing and conjure something, and that's sometimes not so easy.
4: That was Dan Carey, brewmaster of New Brewing Company. They offer tours Monday through Friday where you can continue to learn more and try their different handcrafted beers. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Charity Seebecker.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
7: In the field, the right partner can make all the difference. One that's dependable straightforward, and is there when you need them. That's LG Seeds. From our hybrids and soybean varieties to our service and support, reliability is in everything we do. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information.
8: Huh, nice, hardwood floor. Where is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need.
9: Sweet of Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore.
0: There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters.
9: It's one and done.
0: It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a sweeta metal roof.
9: S-W-I-T-A-Metal
1: Sweeta metal roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. All
0: righty, as we get rolling on a Tuesday morning, let's find out what's coming our way weather wise. Stumacher Ag Meteorologist, along with us for people that aren't familiar. I took a Buck and I took a, a, pr- a personal trip, a personal vacation for the first time in quite a while without uh, fellow travelers or family members. And we went to Mexico, and I'll tell you what, coming back to this weather is literally a shock to your system.
3: Yeah, but you're both happy to come back. I know you too.
0: Yeah, I know. You're right. We almost did fly back early just because it was so cotton-picking hot there. But I I don't think that anybody was really excited about all the reports of snowfall on the ground, uh, hoping that that's going to turn around sometime this week.
3: Well, it will. There's still some possibility over toward the lake shore today, but for most of us, it's not going to be a big deal. Also along the lakeshore, Sheboygan, Manitowoc County and north, they have a wind advisory today, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., Believe it or not, they expect near the lakeshore, winds will gust up to at least 45 miles per hour. I'd say some 50s could be in there, too. A very, very strong, windy day, especially along the lakeshore in the eastern part of the state. Windy in the west, too. I mean, still, we should see see some wind gusts up toward 30 and 35. So a very brisk day has to do with the upper-level low that's off east of lower Michigan now in Canada, but the very strong circulation with that low will keep strong winds in lower Michigan, near the lake shore, of course, not quite so strong the further you head to the west. Now there will be some sunshine breaking through more in the west than east today, but it should brighten up. That sounds great. And I expect that there'll be more sunshine as we look toward Wednesday and Thursday. And that's when temperatures begin to moderate, Warming up, heading back up, I expect 50s by Thursday. And then we start to see something nicer Friday and Saturday, way up in the 60s, above normal returning to the area. And that sounds like a nice way to head into the weekend, although a bit of a rain chance could be around to wrap it up late Sunday. I'll have forecast details right after this.
1: When you farm, you're always competing against your top season. Every moment is clutch. So those who push for the best choose to cow corn. Featuring exclusive genetics for seed bread to emerge strong, stand tall and maximize yield potential. Wherever you compete, winning has roots. Perform at your best all season long with DeKalb Corn. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing and other stewardship practices.
9: My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. It seems like it never fails. I get a customer turned online and their solar is producing. And sure enough, that next month I get a text or an email from that customer or they call into the office even or even come in. They want to show us their bill and say, look, zero dollars. It's always super exciting to be able to be part of that and have that joy and excitement with a customer. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com and start saving. Go green, save green
3: with Olson Solar Energy.
0: All righty, Stu. Tell me more about this forecast. I'm, I'm liking what I'm hearing after we hit midweek.
3: Yeah, we've got to get there first. And we talk about some morning clouds and a breezy day today. More sunshine in the west, sun breaking out in the east later on as well. Sounds all right. Mid-40s today, northwest winds still strong, though, 10 to 20 and gusting around 30. Partly cloudy, blustery, kind of breezy overnight. Upper 20s are around 30, northwest winds 5 to 15, still could gust near 30 or better. Mostly sunny on Wednesday, a nice day, 45, 46 degrees, northwest winds 5 to 15. Partly sunny Thursday. Lower 50s, maybe a 55 at lacrosse, the West Winds at 5 to 10, 60s in sunshine on Friday, Pam, and not all that windy. It sounds like great autumn weather turning out again at the end of the week.
0: Boy, and that's good news because we uh, still need a little bit of time, I think, on some of the, not necessarily the corn, but boy, I'm getting a lot of reports from guys that the beans are still a little green on the stem, you know?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Needs some maturity. Needs some drying down. And the wind is certainly helping that. But sunshine will be a good thing, too.
0: Yep. For all of us. All right, buddy. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thank you. All right. See ya. Stumacher, ag meteorologist, with a quick update on what's happening as far as weather is concerned. Don't forget, you're always welcome to use our uh, farm talk text line and let me know what's happening in your backyard. Give me an update on the harvest. Uh, Let me know, did you see any snow and uh, some of those kinds of things. That toll-free number is 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. I sure appreciate all you rainfall reporters keeping me in your weather loop. John Heinberg, market advisor, one of our guests this morning. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
1: Your tough jobs, the really big ones, deserve a hard-working John Deere tractor from Sloan Implement.
2: Right now, get 0% for five years and $1,000 off on a 5E series tractor. No matter the size of your work, the John Deere 5E is the perfect fit. And when you take a seat on your tractor, your land stands to benefit. 0% for 60 months. Some
1: restrictions apply. See Sloan Implement for details. Offer ends 10-29-22.
7: In the field, it's good to have a friend you can count on. One that's hardworking, trustworthy, and always shows up. Just like LG Seeds. Our corn hybrids and soybean varieties deliver consistent performance across all your acres, giving you reliable yield you can expect. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit
10: LGseeds.com for more information. Bobcat continues to fill sought-after positions at their Johnson Creek facility. Stop by the Bobcat Job Fair Wednesday, October 26th, 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. and 2 to 4 p.m. to learn about their benefits, opportunities, including second-shift skilled welders, laser operators, paint line operators, and more, plus a $2,000 sign-on bonus this month. Go to Bobcat.com slash nowhiring to find out more. Bobcat, off I-94 between Madison and Milwaukee, is now hiring an equal opportunity employer.
1: Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A Skincare Minute with Skincare Expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire.
10: Let your natural
1: beauty shine through. Visit us at SockPrairie.com.
6: The busy harvest season creates tremendous stress for farmers, workers, and families. This is John Schutsky, Farm Safety Specialist with the University of Wisconsin at Madison. Because of the heavy dependence on changing conditions, farming is recognized as one of the most stressful occupations in America. It's also one of the most dangerous. During the harvest rush, take time for yourself. You'll be better prepared to handle the crunch time stress if you fuel your body. Eat breakfast and strive for balance when you take those important breaks for lunch and dinner. While it's easy to feel rushed, get plenty of quality sleep. Take time for your family and your friends because one of the best ways to deal with the stress of farming is to talk openly with those who are closest to you. It's also smart to take a little bit of time every week, like on a Sunday afternoon, to think about and plan your week ahead. Write down the critical tasks and goals that you have and plan for the upcoming weather, family activities, and taking care of yourself.
0: Because of you, someone gets to go home instead of working a double. Because of you, call lights will be answered a little bit faster. Because you are the Bright Star in that facility. Bright Star Medical Staffing is looking for caregivers and nurses. Bright Star
4: believes providing the highest quality temporary staff means better care. It's the reason you
2: got
0: into health care in the first place. Be the Bright Star in someone's life. Work with Bright Star. Apply today at brightstarjobs.com.
2: Hi, it's Preston from Window World. I hear too many stories of people being held hostage through a three-hour window appointment and pressured to sign now for a project that's worth a small fortune. At Window World, we take as much or as little time as you have and provide a clear, easy-to-read estimate right on the spot. Don't think your window project is out of reach because some companies ruined your experience. Call the best value in your area.
8: Window
12: World.
2: Call Window
11: World. You'll be glad you did.
12: So Zach, uh, speaking of Saturday, let's go to uh, what happened. Man, double overtime, Badgers lose to Michigan State. Uh, Braylon Allen with the backbreaker of the fumble. Uh, if you look at this game, so I don't think anyone really respected Michigan State secondary. What? We'll, we'll get to Braylon Allen coming up. What? What was Graham Mertz doing, and what was that offense doing? Because wasn't this Michigan State team that weren't they giving up almost 300 yards uh, in the air? What, what was going on with this Badgers offense?
11: Well, yeah, I mean, they, they had that first drive. They've had, they've been really, really good on their first drive. And then I guess Northwestern it kept going and against Michigan state and against Illinois, it did not. And they, uh, I mean, if you want to blame Graham Mertz, go ahead. He's been blamed for everything for the last three years. It's all his fault. No matter what, when the offense is not working, I would put more of the blame on the offensive line. Yeah. Um, Tough. Right, so so before I blame the office line, <laughs> let me blame Graham Mercer for first. Who
12: second. was he? First of all, real quick, who the hell was he throwing to in overtime? The well, 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 two uh, guys got intercepted. It. Was anyone even there? So he he told us
11: afterwards that uh, it was a miscommunication, obviously, because his receiver went one way and he went the other way, uh, and that he he forced it. And he said it's it's a, it was a horrible decision, horrible throw. Um, had he gone the other way, maybe the receiver catches a touchdown. Um, Had the receiver and him seen it on the same path, maybe they threw another touchdown, but it was, it was a forced throw. And uh, the other one, the, the the one that was actually caught, uh, that kind of jump started Michigan state after the Wisconsin defense had dominated their first two possessions uh, was he was asked if it was a a bad read or a bad throw. And he said, yes, it was. Um, So it was both. I mean, like it was, it was, they were both really poor throws. He had another one, in, a, in the uh, in the fourth quarter early in the fourth quarter that should have been picked off he had three throws that probably should have been picked off there's no doubt about that um he had some good said, he had
12: some good throws too though
11: that's said he had he had some good throws the Wisconsin offensive line just got dominated um so we talked about the Michigan State secondary and how they had been beat up and given up a bunch of plays and when Graham Mertz was given time for the most part he was able to to find some guys but when he wasn't given time, and that was quite often, it was a real struggle bus. I mean, he was, they had nine. I think they ended up with uh, three sacks, nine or six quarterback curries, nine tackles for loss. Like, they played on the other side of the line of scrimmage the entire game. And there was the, the one interception that he should have thrown there in the, in the fourth quarter, the, the right guard got beat immediately, and the guy was in his lap right away. It, the, the offensive line didn't give Wisconsin a chance. And what we've seen with Graham Merck is when you get pressure on him early, it's probably going to not be a great day for him because um, things kind of get sped up, his feet kind of get going, and um, that's exactly what happened with the, with the yeah. passing game. Why, why they struggle?
12: And the running game, I mean, I mean, Braylon Allen accounted for 156 yards, right? Of the Badgers, what, almost 283. Yard, 283 of offense. <laughs> yep. uh, the fumble, obviously, not ideal. Um, any worries about Braylon Allen moving forward? It's just like, just handle ball security.
11: I mean, fumbles were an issue for him last year, but they haven't been this year. That's his, first, his first fumble his first season. One? Yeah.
12: season.
11: Yeah, so I, I, I don't think so. I thought it was an, a really, really good play by Michigan State. I mean, he had the corner come on the, on the corner blitz. Tim DK was just like hands up. Like, what a you know, he was coming on the run blitz. He beat him, and the guy, you know, got railing low in, in the safety or the, the linebacker came over the top and ripped it three. I mean, it, was, it was a really, really good play um, by Michigan State, and it, just the timing of it was horrible. But, yeah, without – I mean, Braylon Allen was that offense for the most part. Uh, two touchdowns, 153 total yards. i say 156 total yards. He was the offense. I, I – you know, the, the the fumble stands out, and he was devastated afterwards. You could tell on the field – you not get a chance to talk to him, but he, you could tell yeah, on the field okay. he was, de- he was Re- devastated. Real quick. But
12: he – was, He was asked to be available for the media, right? And they said no?
11: I, I don't know who said no. Um, How does I that work? They asked the players, and the players –
12: I think UW just silenced our guy, Zach Heilford. All right, we'll, we'll work on getting Zach back. Uh, Zach just got silenced as they tried to silence Braylon Allen from uh, after the game. So Rowdy, any worries as I get the Zach here? Any worries about the, uh, the running game of the Wisconsin Badgers? I'm not really worried about the running game. I'm worried about the entire team.
2: <laughs> we saw how poor that they've played in so many of these games leading up, and then they got the Paul Christus fired, Northwestern. They go out. To Northwestern to Ryan field where they normally don't play that well absolutely blow out Northwestern and then it was What are they going to do next?
12: Zach is that you back? Yeah, I think uh, you know Just like they silenced Braylon Allen from talking after the after the game They tried to silence you right there, buddy.
11: Yeah, I again I I don't know whose decision it was not talk because we, we give them names There's like 10 or 15 names. Obviously, you're not gonna bring 15 guys down
1: Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam young Well,
0: if you're like me and we're concerned that uh, maybe this was the beginning of an early winter around Wisconsin, the good news is it looks like we're going to get a bit of a break later this week. Partly sunny today and 45. Tomorrow, partly sunny 46. Sunshine Thursday and 52. Friday partly sunny in 65 and then by Saturday we should be back up near 67 degrees or north of that so hopefully a little bit more optimism on how well the rest of this harvest can go. I'm PM Yankee, really glad you're along with us on this the 18th day of October. On this day back in 1967 a club-wielding bunch of students in Madison clashed with police. They were working to break up a large anti-war demonstration on the UW-Madison campus. Sixty-five people, including several officers, were treated for injuries. Thirteen student leaders were ordered expelled from school. State Attorney General Bronson LaFollette criticized the police for using excessive brutality. That was on this day back in 1967. On this day in 1867... Alaska became a part of the United States. We bought it from Russia for $7.2 million. Now stop and think about it. We've got homes in the United States that go for more than that. It happened on this day back in 1867. And happy birthday to actor, action man, Jean-Claude Van Damme, 62 years young and moving. And now you know. Some very interesting information released during World Dairy Expo. I think we all agree that more and more communities are watching their dairy producers very, very closely. Animal care, impact on the environment, some of the critical questions that they have. Well, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, along with the National Milk Producers Federation and Dairy Farmers of America, Uh, conveyed a study that they did looking at how today's modern dairy farms are using technology to not only do great jobs taking care of their animals, but also reducing their environmental impact in communities. Chad Smith has more.
9: Chad Heiser is president of Laley North America and talks about how the study got started.
13: This study that we're talking about here was really started through our connections and our group, supported by AEM, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, representing us as dairy, hay, forage, manure management equipment producers. And then we were fortunate to be able to partner with the National Milk Producers Federation as well as the Dairy Farmers of America, DFA, to jointly support bringing this information to light and sharing the good work that our dairy producers have been doing across the industry for these last several years and more excitingly what we think they can do in the future. He talks about why
9: the organizations came
13: together to do this study. The opportunity we saw here was to build upon a lot of the great information and, and practices that we know our producers each and every day put into practice on their dairy operation, but we also looked at it across industry partners. So we as equipment manufacturers, other stakeholders, industry representative groups, producer representative groups, we all have a very similar objective in that we want to highlight the great work that our producers are are doing, we said, well, why don't we uh, collectively put our heads together on how we can leverage this more across our collective audiences than maybe independently. So it was exciting to bring this cross-industry segment partnerships together. And I think this is one of many things we might find opportunity to do something similar as we go forward. But certainly this information in the study is exciting and touches on all the good work that the producers are doing, the role that industry shareholders play, as well as us as equipment manufacturers, technology, and innovation companies provide as well.
9: Heiser discusses some of the key takeaways from this study.
13: If you look at the role of technology, as equipment technology has played, we've seen a tremendously positive impact on milk yield. We believe the technology adoption can be attributed to a milk yield increase of about 6%. We believe in the data supports that we've been able to reduce the feed usage by what's the equivalent of 3,200 NFL football stadiums full of feed. We also see decreased use of land, very much attributable to that decreased feed. The land needed to grow the feedstocks for our dairy producers has been reduced by what we would compare to roughly the size of the state of Maryland, and then we see reductions in annual emissions. We believe that's been somewhere around taking the equivalent of four million cars off of the road in that period of time, and we've been able to see reduced water usage enough to supply New York City for about two years. Dairy producers
9: will find this report can help them make solid investment decisions for the future of their operations.
13: A lot of what the study highlights is some of those areas where we were able to see good increases or decreases depending on the data point over the last 15 years with the adoption of technology and other practice decisions. But equally, they're also looking for direction. How do they make that next step in their operation? Where should they look at if they're going to make a future decision around adopting another type of technology or increasing their investment in a certain type of technology? The reality is it's a financial decision in some respects for them because it also needs to make sure that it makes sense financially, help increase their bottom line, that financial return.
9: The study was unveiled at this year's World Dairy Expo in Madison, Wisconsin. To download and view the entire study, please visit visit aem.org forward slash insights. Chad Smith reporting.
0: Thanks, Chad. You can find more on that study of technology and its use by dairy producers on the websites for the National Milk Producers Federation as well as the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Well, Wisconsin farmers hopefully going to see the weather turn around later this week at least so the harvest can keep moving forward. The latest update from the Wisconsin Ag Statistical Service showed as of Sunday, 92% of our corn was mature. 14% of our corn had been harvested for grain. That's about 12 days behind last year. Corn silage is about 89% complete as far as the harvest. Soybeans, 56% of our soybeans have been harvested. It's about a day behind last year. 92% of our potatoes have already been dug. The moisture has helped our pasture conditions. 50%, 57% were rated good to excellent this week. Fall tillage, about 34% complete as well. But I think we can all agree we have enough of the harvest coming up still. Now we'd like to see a little turnaround in this weather. Weather may be impacting the markets. What other influences are there out there? Don't forget, stick around. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, joining us live in just a moment. After the break, a quick update on where numbers stand on a Tuesday morning.
13: Your soil is your farm's greatest asset. Every season is an opportunity for both short-term profit and long-term improvement. The Midwestern BioAg way optimizes yields, soil fertility, and sustainability, nurturing your greatest asset. Midwestern BioAg offers biological fertilizers to optimize yields during the growing season, all the while building healthy soil for the future. To learn what a Midwestern BioAg program can do for you, visit MidwesternBioAg.com. Midwestern BioAg, better farming through better soil.
2: Compere Financial wishes farmers and agribusiness a safe harvest season. Stay in touch with your local Compere team throughout the year to see how they can help make your plans a reality. Exceptional client experience at the heart of everything they do. Visit compere.com or call 844-426-6733 today. Compere Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.
10: As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McFin Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpillar pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bowpillar milk receiver pump, patented by McFen Technologies, an American company committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry.
0: Well the Dow Jones industrial average this morning might be doing well, but our commodities are not going in the same direction. In overnight electronic trade so far, December corn, that's currently down two and a half cents at six eighty one a bushel. November soybeans are down nearly six cents at thirteen seventy-nine and a half. December wheat's down six and a quarter. 8.54 8.54 and three quarters. Dairy markets yesterday in Chicago. Barrel cheese gained 5.5 cents to 2.18. 40 pound block cheese was unchanged at 2.05. The AA butter that dropped three quarters of a cent to 3.16 and three quarters per pound. Fluid milk contracts. October closed a penny lower at 21.76 100 weight. November milk up a penny at 20.57 100 weight. Right now the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up. More than 300 points. Listen, if you're starting to mark your calendar, a couple different items that I want to remind you about are on the horizon. Of course, the National FFA Convention is going to get started next week down in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, We've got Jill Welke, who's going to be going along with the crew, down to follow the blue and gold. Remember, special congratulations to Courtney Zimmerman from Wisconsin. She'll be wrapping up her term as a National FFA officer next week. So stories coming to you from Indianapolis beginning next week. Also, we've got the Dairy Innovation Hub. They're holding their regular summit, their third annual summit. It's going to be Wednesday, November 16th at the UW-River Falls campus. And then get ready for winter conventions. We've got the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation getting together for their state convention and Young Farmers Conference. That's going to be December 2nd through the 5th at the Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells and the Wisconsin Farmers Union holding their 92nd state convention, and they are moving their location coming back online with face-to-face presentations. Their convention is going to be December 9th through the 11th at the Chula Vista Resort in Wisconsin Dells, and we'll look forward to seeing you at all of those events. Coming up next, John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. This is the Midwest Farm Report with
1: Pam Youngke.
7: In the field, the right partner can make all the difference. One that's dependable, straightforward, and is there when you need them. That's LG Seeds. From our hybrids and soybean varieties to our service and support, reliability is in everything we do. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information
2: your next job could be as close as seven miles south of madison trochte llc in oregon is growing and are now hiring in all areas including builders electricians and electrical engineers to name a few you'll work at the same place every day schedules are flexible pay scale is attractive and receive a two thousand five hundred sign-on bonus Plus, a huge advantage of being closer to work and saving on gas. Apply in person or online at T-R-A-C-H-T-E-U-S-A dot
0: You would never overpay for something if you knew you could get the product for much less elsewhere much like you wouldn't pay $6 a gallon for gas if the pump down the street was charging the fair market price of $4, would you? So why pay more than MSRP on your next Chevy truck? Bergstrom Chevrolet is a local, family-owned company that values your dollar as much as you do, so you never pay above manufacturer's suggested retail price. And Bergstrom has the inventory to fill your fleet or fix you up with the truck that's going to pull your toys. So go ahead shop around and compare that final cost if the guys down the street are blowing smoke up your tailpipe jacking up the price on their chevy trucks stop by bergstrom chevrolet where you never get charged over msrp
1: From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report
0: with Pam Youngke. Well, we definitely do our best anyhow. Thanks again to all the folks that helped out while I was out taking a little bit of time away for vacation. But we're back at it now. And one of the guys that we lean on heavy when it comes to Tuesday morning. Is our buddy John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Morning, John. Let's start in right away. I've been watching the Dow Jones Industrial Average yesterday and today, uh, really regaining some of the lost ground. How does that relate to commodities, or have we seen that be any influence at all?
14: A lot of times you see the money flow kind of come back in, you know, we have a pretty optimistic move here in the equity markets last couple of days, fueled by some pretty good earnings in the bank sector and, you know, big jump yesterday, another 300 points higher so far on the overnight this morning. Now we'll see how far this really wants to go and nothing's really changed in the macro side. You know, sometimes that can uh, correlate over into the commodity space in general. A lot of times it's a negative, you know, you see money flowing from one to the other. If they feel like that's the area, they can make some moves you know but we do see some tie to the livestock sector and i think that was a little bit of what helped the cattle market kind of recover yesterday did help out that hog market cuz again it just comes down to that feeling of personal wealth and if there's money being made in the equity markets they'll spend money on more things on the consumer side and beef is usually one of those things that does have that correlation so so we'll have to continue to watch that market it's staying extremely volatile and again you know the macro side really hasn't changed a whole lot but uh you know right now is a pretty good recovery these last couple of days
0: Let's keep on the livestock for just a little bit. October, of course, is National Pork Month. Really try to encourage consumers to fill that freezer. Pork's been getting a little attention, too.
14: Yeah, the hog market has been just an absolute whipsaw in the last month here. I mean, we're talking in, you know, going in September, December hogs trading over the 88 window. By the time we hit the 1st of October, we're below 74. Now we're back to 84 in a matter of a couple days. Big, strong move yesterday. Some of that was just the technical selling and then return technical buying. You know, we saw a couple of weeks ago the funds were at liquidating cattle hogs and and you know and feeder cattle at a record clip in terms of getting out of those long positions and selling this market now we turned it around extremely quickly here we had the Chinese holiday here at the 1st of October and and so we inflation data came out of China Chinese pork prices are up 30 percent year-over-year there's anticipation that they'll come to our market looking for pork to help stabilize those prices and I think that's brought some optimism in plus just this market was oversold uh, again pork still continues Used to be uh, highly valued in terms of a consumer good because of its cost compared to beef, and the pork numbers are still also tight. So we saw the snapback recover these past couple of days, You know, um, and we got this what we call V-bottom-type trade action.
0: And that means that we're hopefully going to see some dividends at the farm gate? I mean, I always try to correlate, John, What you have to say about the markets and what ultimately ends up happening to our farmers, because I think there's still a lot of beef producers and certainly a lot of pork producers that struggle to see their margin improve
14: you know, that all comes back to the cash market and what's happening there. Now the hog market, that's still a concern for me, you know, but uh, when we saw the October contract come off the other day, December was way undervalued compared to what we call the lean hog index. We're narrowing that gap quickly over on the live cattle side. Cash trade has been very, very good. And actually we put in a high for the year last week and a little bit over 146 nationally on the on our six or six state exchange. You know, we'll hopefully continue to see that trend there. We still have a good demand for The higher quality beef, and that seems to keep the Packers active, starting to watch it now, though, those Packer margins are getting pretty tight, and they don't like to pay out a little bit more if they don't need to. Uh, But again, we're still seeing still active demand on the export front for U.S. beef, and that's that little side market that's really been helping support beef prices, given the tight supplies that we're having out there.
0: Right. Well, we'll keep an eye on livestock. Let's pivot now and talk about what a lot of folks are still worried about, the crop that's standing out in the field. Obviously, this weather in Wisconsin made us take a step back a little bit. What are you hearing as far as the harvest?
14: You know, harvest is rolling along pretty good. Weather's kind of slowed us down here recently. Bean harvest 63% done, a little above, you know, basically a little bit above expectations as well as above the five-year pace. Corn's uh, just about in line with where we are. Typically, we're about 50% here. We were 40%, 45% done yesterday. So we'll still have to continue to watch that. I think that's some of the reason we're seeing pressure, especially yesterday in the corn market, is just the fact that we've got a lot of bushels moving. Big focus is still the Mississippi River and be able to get those bushels down to the Gulf. That is still going to be a major concern. We're seeing some movement finally there out of that big St. Louis port that kind of loads barges and gets them moving down that direction. Uh, But again, it's still not the pace we need. And that's still just going to keep a lid on prices, especially the cash market with this front end basis.
0: How bad is that Mississippi River situation?
14: I mean, we had a major log jam here a couple weeks ago, and we did see the river basis really kind of fall apart for any producers that sold directly to the river. You know, but again, we are seeing some improvement. So things are moving, at least in that regard. Talked to a couple producers yesterday. They're actually seeing their bases firm up a little bit in their favor on those river terminals. So that's going to be a key piece here is our ability to get things moved so we can get them on boats and get them overseas.
0: Yeah. Is is it a matter of do we need some more rainfall? I mean, we still got a lot of the harvest to go. We really do depend on that Mississippi River, not just getting things out, but getting things in.
14: Yeah, very much so. I mean, obviously, the fertilizer story and things coming back up the river is another whole story we haven't even touched on, but it's all about rainfall. You know, we're looking at the last drought monitor map, record drought coverage in the United States. Over 81% of the country's got some form of drought. You know, 2012 had more severe drought, but right now, this year, we got the most drought we've ever seen nationally, and it's showing up in our rivers and our waterways.
0: And Mississippi, I'm assuming, then, is not the only waterway being impacted.
14: We were hearing some talk along the Ohio River, having some issues, as well as, you know, keep an eye on what's going on with the Illinois River. You know, again, right now we could just use some good rainfall. Yeah. That's going to be another story to talk about, what, you know, how we replenish this winter.
0: All right, my friend, tell them how they can get a hold of you, John. Sure, love chat with somebody
14: anytime. Feel free to give me a call, 800-334-9779, or shoot me an email at johnh.totalfarmmarketing.com. And don't forget that website, totalfarmmarketing.com.
0: Beauty, buddy. We'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, John. Sounds good. Have a good week. John Heinberg joining us live this morning from West Bend. Again, like he said, always ready to talk to you if you still have some questions about how you're trying to uh, end up your uh, harvest season at TotalFarmMarketing.com. You'll find him and all the rest of the crew that are available for you. All right, that's all the time we've got for this morning. We'll catch up with Ashley Hewn from the Steffes Group tomorrow.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Road.